Hi, I'm Mitch Casper, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com podcast number 82. Today I'm going to be joined by my regular co-host, Daryl Mangelinkel. Well, Daryl, uh, the Jets are in the middle of a tough schedule, you know, uh, nine games in 16 days, and at times this week they did, didn't look great, but, you know, the bottom line, how can you complain when the team plays four games and they come out with, a, you know, three wins and a loss? Uh, we can maybe, you know, touch on uh, the four games just for, you know, a bit, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I saw a lot of things I didn't like this week, but, I mean, it's hard to bitch when the team uh, goes three and one. Well, there's no question about that. Uh, and I think we said last week, if not the week uh, the week before that, if they could get four wins in these six games, uh, you know, we'd be in good shape. And and we did that. You know, it's uh, Pittsburgh game. You know, it's just leading into that six-game stretch, uh, some tough, tough hockey games. And, and so, you know, the last uh, couple are, you know, they're not as strong or going through their – through a tough stretch and and they've you know come out with the wins which is all that really matters i suppose during the regular season um but how they're getting their wins of late uh, or you know really it's a consistency issue all year for 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 that matter is you know they're struggling to find the consistency of playing their top game for 60 minutes we see stretches of it we see periods of it but we certainly don't see, uh, you know, a full. You know, it'd be nice to see a six-game stretch where they're flying high at their the best of their abilities. And I know schedule dictates that, and um, you know, opponents and all the rest of it. But you know, I'm I'm really, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, but I'm also, you know. We got to get better, you know. We we got to get better, especially in our defense defensive zone coverage. And so, yes, I don't want to sound like I'm poo pooing on a three and one record, but uh, to a degree, I, I I'm concerned about our own zone. Would it be fair to say that uh, there always seems to be this perception around the fan base and you know social media when you're on Twitter and that, like, you know, I, I'm not going to say we were struggling, but there's that perception of struggling when. When the big guys aren't going, like when Shifley's not lighting it up, you know, racking up two, three points a night, and Wheeler's dishing out, uh, you know, two, three assists, and Liney's, you know, scoring 18 goals a month. When all three of those guys are kind of went quiet at the same time, I think it's a testament to the depth of the team and the secondary scoring that actually kicked in. You know, defensemen kicking in a couple goals here and there, and the Little has been very good. He was pretty good this week. He's on a nice little streak, and you know, we've had contributions from the uh, the you know for the from the third line so uh, that kind of the third line is what's really driving this team right now because yeah. if the third line wasn't doing what they're doing we would be in a heap of trouble at both ends of the ice and it's funny right? you say that because uh, you're right they've absolutely been so good but yet probably the worst shift I've seen them have in two years uh, was when Lowry had that easy zone exit he puked it up uh, <laughs> both Perot and that they flew by the puck. And then uh, we couldn't get it out. Then Matthew Perot had the puck 20 seconds later against the boards, and it was a feeble attempt. And the guy stopped it at the blue, and they ended up scoring on that shift. And then after that was all said and done, they were back to their normal selves. It was like a twilight zone moment there. I'd never, I've never seen that line struggle like that. It was, it was a night of recovering from mistakes, wasn't it? Like, sure was. You, yeah. You know, Hellebuck with an incredibly soft goal that you, you just. 
in a 2-2 game after battling back from 2-0, you can't give up a soft goal like that. And um, But as it turns out, it was him that saved the game in overtime with that amazing left pad uh, save, right? And he made a couple good saves in the third, too, late after, he, after that, you know. That's right. And Sherratt with the unlucky, you know, you're kind of wondering what's going through his head with the uh, – you know, trying to do the old school toe save and uh, it goes in your net. But then he comes back with, you know, equally a, ter- a terrible bounce. I mean, because that wasn't exactly a blistering shot by any stretch of the imagination. But, it, you know, it dipped and doodled and found its way into the net. So, you know, all's fair in love and war, right? So yeah, a couple of examples of how we just seem to battle back today from, from mistakes and, you know... Uh, the one who committed the last or the least amount of mistakes won the hockey game. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, it was nice to pull that one out. Uh, I mean, and I hate when people say, "Oh, this is a trap game." You know what? There's no trap games in the NHL. These guys are all professionals and they're all good, and they play hard every night. And the Jets, the Jets are having trouble with teams that are playing them hard and that are challenging them, pressuring them. We've gotten a little fancy, you know, a little bit too fancy, I think. Oh, yeah. We're, we're not getting greasy enough. And, you know, we're going into the second half where, have you noticed the officiating is, I'm going to bring it up, it's it's horrible, but it's starting to tighten up already and there's a, a little bit less room in here and there. And, like, I thought there could have been at huh. least three penalties calls on the Ducks tonight that they didn't call. And I'm so sick of them saying it's been two games in a row now, they say. Or not two games, no, there was the Minnesota game and then tonight when they'll say, you know, every time you knock the, the guy's stick out of his hands, oh, they call that every time. Well, Scheiss had it happen to him twice. The evidence is laying on the ice and no call. So uh, we can gripe about officiating. It's equally bad for everybody. But the games are tight. Well, Getzlaff is uh, Getzlaff, so I think he gets the benefit of it out there. Oh, no kidding. But I've seen a lot of those this week. And you know what? Like I say to our listeners out there, I'm not being a homer, although I am. I watch lots of hockey. I see it in every game. It's it's It's... It's horrendous around the league. And speaking of which, for those of you that listen to us and read my random thoughts on Monday, I have a poll question about officiating in there, so take some time and answer that. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some funny responses, but uh, yeah, I, I think the NHL has a, an officiating problem. We've talked about it year after year. It's the consistency from game to game and crew to crew. If you're going to all be bad, just be all bad together. If you're going to let stuff go, just let it go. Uh, I know it's confusing for the players, but uh, you know, like we're going to, to, into the second half shift, and then it's going to change when the first round of the playoffs, and then by the time you get to the second and third round, uh, you're going to have to just about mug a guy to get a penalty. So mm-hmm. uh, I would wish the Jets would buck up a little bit and start grinding a little bit and driving to the net and those things because you can't be too fancy. Well, I think we need to be tougher on our defensive, you know, defensive coverage and our defensive play. It's like penalty killing for crying out loud. You know, yeah, the team with the more aggressive penalty kill typically is uh, more successful, at least in my my view. Is yeah, there's if if you're passive, uh, you know, you're going to get scored on more, and and our entire defensive game our own defensive zone game strikes me as just way too passive and it's it's costing us and you know we need someone to to really just be grinding you know and and on that that fluky goal that or fluky i shouldn't call it a fluky goal on that bad goal the third goal for anaheim shifley and this is a prime example a Mm -hmm. flyby stick check 
on Cogliano and and you know you you should know you have to play Cogliano hard because he can be he can be a dangerous player if you if you give him time and Shifley did the flyby and guess what the puck a little give and go with uh, Cogliano and uh, I can't remember who it was that was on with and then all of a sudden you know the bad goal it's just those kinds of things cannot happen going forward and and if we can get through these next three games with, uh, you know, a couple of wins or um, and get to the all-star break and, and get refocused for the, you know, the last month and two months that, uh, you know, that's the area we need to get better at is being just harder to play against in our own in, in our own zone. And we'll be fine if we can do that. Yeah, it's funny sitting here critiquing a team that's, uh, you know, 29 29- 14 and 2 were 15 games above 500. A two point lead in the Central Division over Nashville with two games in hand. But that's life. I mean, you uh, you see what you see, right? I mean, well, it's, funny. it's yeah. I mean, all you got to do is uh, look at our overall, you know, some like tonight was a, a terrible game. There was not a lot of high quality scoring chances. And yet we gave up three, right? Like if you look at some of the the, the metrics uh, that that have come out here post game, uh, there was not a lot of quality five on five uh, scoring chances. And you know, so what does that tell you? We're just not aggressive enough, just not tough enough. Um, and 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 that requires the forwards doing that job, right? Like these little flip outs that fail every. It seems like. It fails more often than not. They're just not hard enough on the puck to get get things moving. And and they, I know from a skill perspective they got to play, but and and try to make plays. And 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 that's an important part. But you got to get out of your own zone. And if you're not, we're you know, I mean, we had twelve giveaways today. You know, so, so. that's being generous. Sometimes I wonder if there's a force field on the blue line. Like that puck just gets there. It's amazing how guys can hold it in. And we had we had uh, discussed earlier on that. Uh, I mean, I, I you can uh, voice your opinion on this, but in my opinion, I think our defensemen in the defensive zone for the most part have been actually been pretty good. I think our weak link has been up front. Our forwards, uh, say outside of the one shift today by the Lowry line, but the Lowry line for the most part is pretty good, and they uh, they seem to be able to exit the zone fairly easily for the most part. Uh, Shifley and Wheeler struggle. They're our best players. They struggle. Kyle Connor struggles. Uh, Line A struggles. Uh, Little's okay, uh, but but it's uh, it's a it's a bad mix right now. Our forwards are kind of the weak link, and uh, I think uh, our defense get exposed because they're moving up as a fivesome. And if you turn the puck over in the neutral zone, what what's uh, what's happening? Well, one, you don't have any gap control because they're turning around faster than you can. You, you know, you get caught flat-footed at times, and it, you're trying to uh, trying to shut the rush down, and you take a gamble. You know, we've seen some gambles made by, uh, you know, a variety of players over the last number of games, and you know, it's it's because the puck got turned over quicker than it needed to, and uh, you know, the, that neutral zone has been tough to play in the last few games. There's no Minnesota plays tough in there. You know, Detroit does too. So Anaheim, they didn't, there wasn't a lot of room uh, there tonight. And, and, but if you don't get the puck deep and manage the puck, it's coming back your way and you're going to get caught. So I think it's, it's all on the, on the forwards more than, more than the defense. Well, hell Daryl, I'd be happy if we could get to the neutral zone. (laughs) 
You know, well, that's right. We're having trouble getting everyone on in. On in. And do you remember me saying? I don't know if it was one of my articles or, or one of our podcasts recently that I've really relaxed on that stance about. Uh, I just realized. I mean, we think it's a good job when we're you know our guys forecheck them and they can't get it out. And conversely, it's a different league now. Like it's tough along the boards, and the only way to get it out now is by. Now, the defense, if you notice, they're, if they're in the corner behind the net, they pop it in front of their own net, which would make the old the old school guys have heart attacks. And it's the same thing along the boards. They pop it into the middle of the ice. And if that centerman's not awake there, that can turn into a puck in your own net real quick. It's a different game. It's a higher risk game. But um, it's, So I've, I've really relaxed on my stance on that when I'm crapping on guys because <laughs> there's not a lot of time and space in there. Defense. See, back in you know, back in the day, I don't want to. I don't know how far of old days you want to go to, but you've never seen. There was always like your offensive defenseman would pinch down, and that was part of the play. But in today's NHL, all six defensemen do that. Every shift does that. They they play a rotate. It gets it's the same game plan, and uh, it's tough on the wingers. And I got to give those guys that. Uh, there's a lot of guys that that do a good job of getting the puck out. Well. Listen, I think we got ta- we got a taste of what the potential of this team is, or the high end level last year uh, down the stretch and into the playoffs, and and I think that's where the criticism comes from because we you know it's we know the potential. It's like your you know it's it's like your 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 son or daughter. You know you know that they've shown great progress, and and even though they're moving, you know their skill or their capacity to do well just you, you want to push them and push them to another level and i think the fans are certainly you know maybe not a great analogy but at the same time i think the fans just know where their potential is and and we're not there yet no you we're know, not we're not we're not at the game that we had last year and we were a different team you know oh for sure and i think i, I you know you said it last week in the podcast i think the jets are going to have to make a move and i think sooner than later it is you know uh, it's a veteran presence uh, on the blue line, and I think a veteran presence uh, uh, up forward to to because are we going to trust uh, our young guys uh, Appleton, Roslovic, uh, etc. going into into the playoffs? Uh, I I I can't. I I just don't see that happening. Well, it's a development time for those guys, and that's what they're going to use their regular season for. And I'm sure they have a plan. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean. Uh, you know, your, your Vegas's and Nashville's, Calgary, everybody's going to be joining the arms race before the trade deadline, and you don't want to get left behind. So it's better to be proactive and get in there and mix it up. But I want to switch gears for a second here. Is, you know, we're pretty quick to, um, you know, we love our superstars, right? Everybody likes Wheeler and Shifley and, you know, Line A and that. But uh, you don't go anywhere without the foot soldiers. And we don't talk about these guys much. And it's kind of funny, the two guys I'm going to mention are are and were and probably still are in a lot of circles still the two biggest whipping boys in this on this team and i just don't know that this team would be the same without these two guys uh they both improved quite a bit and they add <laughs> they do add a lot to the team and so the guys i'm talking about are brandon tanov and ben Sherratt. um they're just not your your low-end grinders anymore they, they're contributing guys and uh it's nice to see them get rewarded, even like Sherratt with a was a crappy goal tonight, but it's nice a make nice makeup goal after the one he kicked in. But overall, I think his he might be one of the most improved blue liners, kind of carrying the puck with a little bit of confidence, making moves and stuff. And Tanev is just a hustle machine. Uh, he scores a lot of hustle goals and he gets those greasy goals. So I, I just uh, you know what I've uh, these guys have kind of grown on me. I don't know about you. 
Well, Tanev's on a five-point, uh, you know, or five-game point streak, and he's he's. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure. He's a driver on that line, and why that's that line has been so successful. You know, and Lowry's been playing very well, and so the two of them, it doesn't matter who's the third, whether it's uh, Perot or now Cop is, you know, got reintroduced to the line, and and it seems that that line will still produce, and and those two players are a, a good fit for it, and and so, um, like I said earlier uh, in in the podcast, if it wasn't for that line right now, I think the Jets would be in a you know, in a tough spot, you know, they, they've got one and a half lines scoring and, uh, um, because you know, that's just, so we need some help, right? We need some help. And these guys have, have given us the help that, uh, you know, that we need. And, and Sherrod is, Hey, he's doing a job. He's not supposed to be flashy and he's just got to do a job. And he know, I think he knows his role better now than he ever has. And, and so I, I have no issue with Ben on my line, right, or on my team. So, yeah, he's a physical presence, and he's a he's a he's a much improved player. So it's nice to see a guy like that have some success by grinding it out and sticking with the team and learning. But uh, it's kind of funny, like you mentioned, the the third line going back. That I'm going to be really interested to see what happens when Ehlers comes back, because, like you said, uh, on that third line, Tanev's a driver. And when Perot was there, he's a driver also. The two of those guys flying down both those wings, they uh, they they put a ton of pressure on opposing defensemen. And uh, Lowry, you know, he gets around pretty good for a big guy, and he uses his body there. That's a tough line to play against. So I kind of like that line to stay together, and uh, I don't mind Cop being on the uh, on the and on that fourth line. It just means that uh, you know one of the kids get bumped. To, the press box when uh, Ehlers, Ehlers comes back, but uh, I mean that's a few weeks away still. But that's uh, just uh, just in saying that. But I really like the I like Matthew Perot with those guys. It's like Perot, you can you put him with anybody, and it he just makes that line better. Oh, well, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, and you just hope that uh, Ehlers, when he comes back from his injury, is going to be able to step right back in and and contribute and and you know be a driver and. Um, because you know we are definitely a better team when him and Buff are playing, and and so, so I, I guess that you know the, the fact that we do have some key players missing, and we're putting you know, and and Myers has been out, and um, we sure look like a different decor, and guys like Ben Schrott are doing the job to fill in, and so good on him. Yeah, it's funny, uh, you know, injuries happen in hockey. Uh, every team gets uh, good players injured, and you got to play sometimes weeks or sometimes months without them. The Jets have had their fair share over the years, and they've lost Shife and whatever last year for a big chunk. But it seems like when the Jets get an injury to Buff, he seems to guy, be the guy they always miss the most. I don't know what it is. Like we had talked earlier, like you had said, he 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 can drive the offense. He's uh, he's huge on defense, and I I just think that with him in the lineup. That uh, when he were put it this way, let's go conversely. When he's not in the lineup, uh, home home teams or visiting teams alike, they seem to be a little bigger. They play a little taller than they do when big buffs in the lineup. Uh, um, I can hardly wait for him to get back. So, you know, I look at this team, uh, the makeup of the team right now, and especially tonight with Myers out again. 
uh, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on Josh and Jake, and uh, they need... Uh, They've we, done a great job. Yeah, we need Big Buff back. Yeah, for sure. For sure. He's, uh, you know, I think Josh and Truba can handle the minutes, and, you know, it clearly shows that from a top-line defensive uh, perspective, you know, we've got three top-line def- defensemen, and and we will, uh, you know, we'll be in a good shape uh, going forward. And Sammy Niku, who had a tough, tough start to the, in my opinion, to the first half of the game, started to feel a little, little more comfortable and show uh, some of that offensive flair and um, that offensive skill that he's got. So, you know, long-term, I think we're, we're in great, great shape. Uh, Well, let's just hope we're in great shape with uh, that group. And, uh, but there's no doubt about it. Buff, from an offensive perspective, makes us look different, and uh, it, it's missed. There's no, I, in my opinion, we are a different offensive team, and and I can't wait for him to be back as well. Yeah, I agree with you on Sam and Iku, and uh, it was kind of funny. One of the guys on Twitter said, "Geez, imagine that a guy gets to play two games in a row and he looks a little better." And that's true. I mean, and you know where I stand on this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you first. Um. Is it any? Are the Jets doing Nico a disservice by having him sit in the press box night after night here with the big club, rather than playing a ton of minutes with the Moose? I think there's a. I think there's a fundamental problem, and that's and that's there's been a lot of injuries, and a guy like uh, Tucker Pullman who who has just got back. Um, he, so, I think that has restricted the Jets' ability to call somebody else up to sit in the press box, but injuries are injuries. And, and you know, um, when you're missing uh, two of your top four defensemen, your top five defensemen, you're, you're going to be in tough. So uh, I think the injuries in the AHL have actually hurt that situation a little bit. Is You know, because... Yeah. They can't. They could send him down, but who are they going to call up, and who's going to be able to come in and and do something? So it's it's a byproduct of the numbers game, just the same. And um, but at the same time, from a defensive perspective, it's clear in the games that he's played this year that he's got a lot of work to be done. Right? Like so, uh, and so it's 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 tough. The more he plays, the more you're going to see the comfort in terms of moving the puck, getting it going, etc. But I, I just don't think he's an NHL. He's not an everyday NHL player yet. He's getting closer, but yeah. he's not there yet. Yeah, you know, and you're right. Um, like, there's like I have no doubt in my mind he's going to be uh, a big part of this team. But he does have to play, right? Yeah, so right. I, I don't disagree with that. You know, skill players of need need to play, and they need to you know, keep working at what they need to do. And, and yep. so from that perspective, you know, when you, you could look at it from a Roslovic perspective, uh, just the same, you know, he needs to play he, him playing in the A doesn't help, but he's going through the growing pains here at the NHL level. Yeah, he's getting enough ice time here, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So Patrick Line notched his 25th tonight. <sighs> Well, I guess uh, how many days ago was it that he said he was uh, not very good? Or you know, uh, <laughs> here we go again, right? Like, so let's see what he does against uh, Vegas, um, and you know, hopefully he can start potting a few goals. Because uh, frankly, we need some 
we need more balance out of our top uh, top two lines in terms of scoring. So uh, the the guys need to the defense. It's easy to play against the Jets when only one line is the major threat. Okay, now some more some more business. Brian Little, a very quiet 500 points, and uh, I think his 800th game will be next week. So that you know that correlates or that uh, translates into point six two points per game, which is pretty pretty solid. Uh, you know, for a guy playing 800 games, uh, like I say a very quiet 500 points. But uh, congrats to him. He's uh, you know you know I like Little. I think you like him too. Um, we kind of defend him a little bit when everybody says that we need a second line center. When he's playing, when he's playing as well as he can, he is fine as a second line center. Uh, people forget that uh, the Winnipeg Jets had one of their best seasons last year, and Brian Little was the second line center for the bulk of that year until we acquired Stasty. You know, Stasty became the flavor of the month, and we all fell in love with him because he seemed to have uh, instant chemistry with the two kids, Ehlers and uh, Liney. But uh, Brian Little, I like to give him his props too. Uh, Brian Little's major problem has been, it's not the skill level. He's got the skill to to be a good player, and over the course of eight hundred games, uh, you know, point six two points per game is uh, is a solid NHL career. But his inconsistency, you know, he's a streaky player, yeah. and you know, and that's probably why he has you know, like if if he could have been more consistent you know he could have been closer to three quarters or 0.8 points per game type of player and and maybe that's why team or you know fans and or some pundits would say that he's maybe not a number two center and that we do need a number two center because he's kind of stuck between number two number three in in that he can play the defensive game very well he's a great two-way center in that sense but his his inconsistency is that's a lot of minutes for a guy who may score a goal. That said, a game winning goal today, and I think that might be a second or third of the year. So, um, you know, big goals. I'll take big goals uh, by by some of these players anytime. I think Brian Little's uh, we're going to say problem. It's not a problem. Is uh, for the most part, he has to be the defensive conscience on the second line for three players. You know. Absolutely, uh, and that—that's a lot of. Uh, I mean, he's. I'll say this, you know, people are going to crap all over me for saying this, but I'll say it right now. He's probably our best defensive center. Um, I think he's a much better defensive center than uh, than Shife is, and I love Shife, but uh, uh, Brian. Little, it's honestly, it's not even close. No, Brian Little is a good face-off man and a good defensive center, so uh, he's very important to this team and. Uh, I'm in no uh, no no hurry to be rid of him. That's for sure. Um, well, it, it was interesting. They said he's been here 12 years or in the organization for 12 years, and and I th- did some quick math when I heard that on on the broadcast. And you know, Ryan Little uh, hopefully will finish his career uh, as as a Jet, and uh, and uh, you know, I I always love hearing, regardless of which team. Guys that play their entire career with one team, there's there's something to be said about that, and uh, so I hope he does it. Yeah, good. Um, another little tidbit here: uh, Christian Vasilainen uh, named KHL's Rookie of the Month for the month of December with the uh, Jokerette. 
uh, a modest 12 points in 16 uh, games, which is pretty darn good for a kid in a, in a pro league. Uh, uh, that's nice to see. Obviously, he's getting ice time and playing, and uh, that's, that's a good sign for us. Like I say, the only thing I don't like about it is I, I, like, I like that he's playing and he's producing, but uh, I still think he would have been better off playing on, on the smaller race in North America with the Moose. But uh, that being said, uh, kudos to him. Absolutely, you know it's uh, you know he's uh, producing and uh, hopefully, hopefully his mindset about playing in the NHL is different. Because I'm I'm with you. I think it, you know in the long term, um, I think it would have been better for his development to fit to play at the in, with the Moose and and. Uh, Smaller ice surface, uh, build some chemistry with players, uh, get called up. See, I mean, he's he would have been a call up. There's no two ways about it, right? So I kind of I worry about some of those kinds of mind, you know, behaviors or you know, sort of these little signs of will he be what we think he could be, right? Like, you know, not to put any expectations on him, but he's got some skill. Yeah, he does. He's the left-handed Patrick Laine, right? <laughs> well. Hey, this is something I just uh, was perusing through the stats today, and uh, Josh Morrissey got his 25th point tonight, so it's 25 in, he's played 42 games. So let's just say for the hell of it, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, he's on pace for 50. Okay, he's close, but close. But they usually, that's kind of like the benchmark, the bottom yes. end of the benchmark for what they classify as an offensive defenseman. What a long way he's come. I mean, you know, we both, we've all loved Josh's game. And because, uh, you know, we've seen him play, especially when he was with, uh, uh, in the WHL with Kelowna, how even, and it started in Prince Albert, his offensive game. We were just wondering, when's that offensive game going to kick in? And it looks like he's, the reins have been uh, loosened and he's, uh, he's, he's uh, looking like, he's looking like a steel at that pick for the Jets. Uh, I'm ha- very happy. Well, I mean, I love Josh. I'm very happy with him. I like to see him. I love the offense. Well, you know, I guess it's, uh, he's comfortable with his game on the, you know, and he's only 23, right? So, <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, you know, you, he's, he's our best defenseman in, in my opinion at this point in time, even though he may not have uh, the same points as a buff, but uh, I think I think the points are going to continue to grow, and uh, his offensive game is only going to be more uh, um, more prominent. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Fifty points seems to be the benchmark, and uh, I think points, I yeah. think I think he'll be I think he'll be uh, close to doing that. And yeah. you know, he almost had a goal again today and got blocked in overtime. And when when you're the number one defenseman going out with uh, Wheeler and Scheifen three on three. Uh, there's clearly a lot of confidence in his offensive game to put him out there, and he looks dangerous. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's almost time for us to wrap up, but let's take a look at what we have on tap for this week. We have uh, a home game versus Vegas on Tuesdays. That should be uh, a gooder. Everybody hates the Knights. And we hate them because they beat us, and then we hate them even worse because they stole Stastny. And then before that, they blocked our trade with Broussard. So there's lots to hate there. Then we go into a game that I'm nervous about, especially the way the Jets are playing defensively right now. 
a little bit. Uh, we Thursday night in Nashville. That's going to be a good one. Big four-pointer. And then we finish out uh, the pre-All-Star break uh, on Saturday night uh, at, with a game in Dallas. And they Dallas beat us uh, last time we played there too. So could be uh, three extremely tough games. And if we could come out of that with some points and I like this, you know, if we could just win one of those games, like you don't have to, if we, you know which one it, it is for me, it's Nashville, the proverbial four-pointer, and then we go into the All-Star break, so uh, your thoughts on next week? Uh, might be a, def- might be a, I, I don't want to overstate it by saying it's going to be a defining stretch, but if they can come out with, you know, five, let's just call it a win-loss and a tie in all of this. Mm-hmm these three games i think uh you can go into the break reset re, you know yep. get some healthy hopefully some healthy bodies back and uh then make a push but those uh, the vegas game to me is an important one because vegas is rolling they're healthy they've got guys like stastny uh, are 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 rolling uh after you know he's come back from injury patch already that, playing well Patch Reddy's playing well. They're deep and they're they're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with in the Western Conference when it's all said and done. And you know this team that you know I, I guess we're still doubting them, but there's no more doubting about no. this team. No, and no, no, no. and uh, I I think this this is a statement game on Tuesday for the Jets in in a lot of ways uh, because of what happened in the playoffs and uh, you know. Uh, last year in the Western Conference Final, and they, I, they need to win that game. Um, it's going to be a, a big boost uh, if they win that game. So I think that's the game of the week, in my opinion. Um, and uh, let's let's hope that we can come out with two points in that one. For sure. Yeah, I think uh, Flurry might be still in their heads, and it'd be nice to get rid of that. But uh, absolutely, because yeah. uh, you know. At this at this juncture of the standings, it's, uh, Vegas is right there. Yep. Time to wrap her up for tonight, so we'll just let our listeners know. Uh, come check us out on uh, iTunes or WinnipegHockeyTalk.com, Stitcher, uh, all the rest of them. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, Daryl, uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for joining me. Hey, no worries. My problem, or not my problem, but uh, <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> 